Lekute Sichais, Parshas Mishpotim, Chelek Tiz Zayin, Sicha Hei. We're learning the Sicha, the Ilanishmas, and the Schus, and the Merit, the Soul of Henny Rivka Bas Brachad Varlea. At the end of Parshas Mishpotim, Moshe approaches and enters within the cloud that covers Mount Sinai, and he ascends the mountain. In Pasuk Yud Ches, in chapter 23, Perak Chav Gimel, Rashi explains the words, Betoch Ha'anan, within the cloud, and says, Anan ze kimin ashan hu. This cloud was like a smoke. The Rebbe questions Rashi's explanation, saying that an anan is generally translated as a cloud. And the word for smoke is ashan. And these are two different things. In fact, they're two opposite things, as a cloud is a composite of water molecules and smoke is a result of fire. So why does Rashi translate anan, a cloud, as smoke here in this singular instance? And what's complicated about the word anan or Petochanan within the cloud in this verse that even requires Rashi's explanation. In his explanation, Rashi then continues to say, and God made a shvil, a path for Moshe within the smoke. The source for that statement is in the Gemara in the Tractate of Yuma, where a discrepancy between two verses is being explained. One verse is in the portion of Pekude, where the Torah states that Moshe could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested upon it. And yet, the Torah tells us that Moshe entered within the cloud. So, Rabbi Yishmol explains this and says, in this instance, it says within, and in the portion of Beshalach 2, it says within. The children of Israel walked into Betoch, the sea, walking within it. And God made a path for them within the sea, and the water stood as a wall beside them. Here, too, God made a path. But Rashi, in his explanation in our Parsha, isn't responding to or explaining this discrepancy because the verse about Moshe being unable to enter the meeting tent is only later on in Torah in the portion of Pikude. That discrepancy would be addressed when it arises. So Rashi telling us that and how Moshe entered the cloud, that God made a path for him, has nothing to do with the episode in Pikude, but rather because in our discussion, entering the cloud is not understood to be possible. Earlier, in Parshas Yisrael, Rashi explains the words, and Moshe approached the Arafel and says that this implies that Moshe entered through three partitions, through darkness, through the cloud, and through the Arafel, the density of the cloud. In other words, not only did Moshe pass through the darkness and the cloud, but he also passed through the density of the cloud. And yet Rashi does not there explain how he could do that, as Rashi explains here, 
with a path. Rashi doesn't even explain in Pasha's history how Moshe entered the smoke that covered the entire mountain, which the Torah tells us was a result of God descending onto the mountain in fire, or for that matter, how Moshe ascended into the fire when God summoned him to ascend to the mountaintop. Clearly then, for the five-year-old Torah scholar who Rashi seeks to satisfy with his commentary, Moshe entering this cloud isn't even a question, and it seems quite simply that Moshe entered the cloud without a path. But if so, why then does Rashi need to explain Moshe entering the cloud in our Torah portion, in our verse? To understand this, let's understand the question that Rashi has on the literal intention of the verse. Earlier, in this same chapter, in Perak Dalad, chapter 24, we learn in verse 15, Posuk Tesvav, the cloud covered the mountain. So it's self-understood that Moshe ascending the mountain means he entered the cloud. Why then the need to emphasize that detail, Moshe entered into the cloud here? The repetition in the Torah here, that Moshe went up on the mountain, when again, in verse 15, just three verses earlier, the Torah told us, Vaya'al Moshe al-Hahor, and Moshe went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain, can be explained according to two opinions that Rashi offers on verse 16, Pasuk Tezayin. There Rashi explains, our sages disagree on this matter. Some say that this took place six days from the new moon. In other words, what Moshe went up on Matan Torah, on the day of the giving of the Torah. And therefore the Torah repeats this, because in the interim, the verses were addressing events that occurred before the giving of the Torah. And certainly, according to the second opinion Rashi offers, others say that this was six days after the giving of the Ten Commandments. So the two times Torah tells us, Vaya'al Moshe, Moshe went up the mountain, are not one and the same time. Hence, with the words betocha anan, within or into the cloud, the Torah intends for us to know that this cloud is not the cloud mentioned in the earlier verses. This is what Rashi sees as the question in the literal intention of the verse. So what was this cloud then? To which Rashi answers, this cloud was like smoke. Rashi has no need to explain the cloud of the earlier verses and sources, as it's a self-understood concept. It was a cloud of glory, one in which God's glory was enclosed. They had this cloud as a pillar when God led them during the day in the desert, and at night as a pillar of flame to light their way. But the cloud in this verse, which must have been a different type of cloud, is explained by Rashi as a cloud like smoke. And Rashi's proof for this is actually in the verses themselves. Between the words in the verse that tell us, God called to Moshe, and the words in the verse that say, and Moshe entered within the cloud, there is a verse that tells us that the appearance of God 
was like a consuming fire at the top of the mountain. This descriptive word should have been, or these descriptive words should have been placed before the words that tell us that God called to Moshe, that he summoned Moshe to come up the mountain. Here are the verses. Verse 16, Pasuk Tezayin reads, Vayishkan Kvoid Hashem al Har Sinai, God's glory rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, God summoned Moshe or called to Moshe from within the cloud. The next verse, Pasuk Yud Zayin, verse 17 reads, Umarek Hashem and the appearance of the glory of God was like a consuming fire atop the mountain before the eyes of the children of Israel. Why does this pasuk, this verse, only come after we read that God summons Moshe from within the cloud? It far better suits the verse that precedes it, that also speaks of God's appearance. And so therefore Rashi concludes that the verse that begins with the words Hashem, and the appearance of the glory of God is actually an introduction to the words and Moshe entered within the cloud in our verse. And that this alludes to the fact that this cloud is different to the cloud mentioned earlier in Torah. And therefore, the Torah emphasizes Moshe entered within the cloud. Again, that this cloud is a consequence of the Eshechelis, the consuming fire, and thus Rashi's explanation, this cloud is like smoke that results from the consuming fire mentioned one verse earlier. This verse then in turn explains this earlier description of the consuming fire, as it would have been sufficient to use the description that God's appearance was like a fire. Why then the word consuming? Because the intention is for us to understand that the cloud Moshe entered was a smoke that was created by this fire. Smoke is a result of that which fire consumes, not the fire itself. Additionally, a spiritual fire is not a consuming fire, as we learn that the sneh, the burning bush, which Moshe observes and sees, that a bush is a flame but is not being consumed. This tells us the nature of a divine fire. And so here the Torah emphasizes that it was a divine consuming fire and it produced a cloud of smoke. Accordingly, we can now understand why it is here that Rashi informs us that God made a path for Moshe within the cloud and tells us this after he tells us it was a cloud of smoke. Had this been a cloud like the clouds we read of in earlier verses, we would need no explanation for the words Moshe entered within the cloud. Someone who walks into a cloud of smoke will become blackened and covered with soot and his clothes will become blackened. And this would then have been a disrespectful way to approach God and to receive the luchais. Hence Rashi's explanation 
that God created a path for Moshe, and he walked through unaffected by the smoke. What remains puzzling, however, is what exactly was burning. This is the Sinai Desert on the top of a mountain, barren, dusty, and rocky. Fire consumes vegetation, not rocky surfaces. And so Rashi says, indeed, it was like smoke, not actually smoke. And because it isn't a natural smoke from a fire that consumed natural organisms, it was a spiritual smoke from a spiritual fire, and therefore it is called an anan, a cloud in Torah. A deeper explanation of this Rashi is that in the Torah portion of Yisrael, mention is actually made of the smoke at the giving of the Torah. In chapter 19, Perikutes, we read, in Posikutches, verse 18, Bahar Sinai, Oshan Kuloi, Mipnei Asher Yorad Olav Hashem Boesh. And Mount Sinai was engulfed in smoke because God descended upon it in fire. Yet in our Torah portion, it is referred to as a cloud. The density of smoke is actually determined by what it consumes. When the material consumed is more subtle and refined, the smoke, too, is thinner and more subtle. When the natural, excuse me, when the material consumed is denser, it produces a denser smoke. As it is in the physical demonstration of smoke, so it is in the spiritual consumption of fire as well. Revelation of godly fire above consumes the materialism of the world and results in its obliteration in diametric opposition to godliness. Spiritually, smoke speaks to the obliteration of conceit and the nullification of worldliness or earthliness. This then speaks to the difference between the two verses we discussed. The one that says, Bahar Sinai Oshan Kuloi, Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke when the Torah was given. God gave the Torah an action that expresses a from above to below dynamic. God descended, the Torah tells us, in fire into a world that was yet completely unrefined. And so the result of a mountain completely covered in smoke, in dense smoke, the world's coarseness and density caused a dense smoke, and a lot of it resulting from the divine fire. But in our Torah portion, when the events are taking place after Matan Torah, when the world has been Refined by the giving of the Torah, it is no longer as coarse, no longer as dense. And so God's glory appears like fire, yet causes only a refined cloud of smoke, referred to in Torah as a cloud and not a smoke. And so Rashi reveals that the cloud was like a type of smoke, since it wasn't a divine revelation from above like the cloud mentioned in earlier verses, rather it was formed from the visage of God's glory like a consuming fire, from the godliness that negates earthiness 
and materialism, and thus a type of smoke. From this consuming fire, too, there is a smoke, opaque and cloudy, there is soot, because the purpose of Torah is to turn the world into a a dwelling below for God. This cloud, as Rashi points out, into which Moshe needed to enter in order to receive the Torah and to bring this back down was like a type of smoke. As per the time frame after Matan Torah, when the divine revelation obliterates the materialism of man at the giving of the Torah, at Matan Torah, the divine revelation resulted in a smoke that enveloped the mountain completely, refining the materialism of the world. But the work after Matan Torah is the refinement of human materialism. The lesson to be taken in our personal divine service is as follows. There are people who argue that they want no contact or association with really lowly earthly sorts. If one earthy sorts, if one needs to lower himself, they complain or claim, then no lower than interaction with one on the level of chai, animal life, or even a lower life form, tzimeach, plant life, but certainly not with one whose level is that of doimim, a life form that just seems to take up space and is so corporeal and materialistic that it appears completely without life. And when the light of the divine flame burns, this individual is not a vessel for it. The fire doesn't adhere to him and hold him until after his physicality is beaten down and he is shown how debasing it is. These folks are thus informed that a smoke must rise even from the lowest life form of Daimim, the inanimate, the one who looks so completely removed from anything godly and alive. In fact, the very purpose of Matan Torah is bound up with this divine service, the smoke of the annihilation of and the elevation of the materialism of the world must be not only with its Saimeach, one who shows an interest in growth, but also with the Daimim, the one who appears inanimate. Then one might come with yet another argument that involving oneself with someone who is so lowly can affect them too, bring them down. So isn't it better not to be involved with such folk? The answer to this is, God makes a path for this lofty level of Moshe that exists in every Jew. And so one can remain pure, walking the path God forms for him. And more so even, one's revealed strengths do not become dirtied with the blackness of the smoke, as the smoke is only like a smoke, a cloud that appears to be smoke. In other words, the fact that the world conceals and hides godliness is only like a concealment, so that one has the experience of bechira, of choice, or one to see the godly truth, there would be no opportunity for choice. And beyond that even, since the concealment is in place for this reason, 
and in fact thus emanates from holiness, it only looks like smoke, but it's really just a cloud. It appears to be smoke, and like a material that burns and leaves a soot even after it is elevated, but that's only because we are looking with human and fleshly eyes. Internally, it is really a cloud of holiness, as its entire purpose is to add light in holiness. That's the lesson. One needs to enter the smoke and go through it. It takes you to receiving the Torah. Moshe and everyone really who has the spark of Moshe within him received the Torah after this preparation of Ayavai Moshe Betaycha Anan and Moshe entered within the cloud, a cloud that was like smoke, and walks through the shvil, the path that God prepares. Even though there is concealment in that experience, it brings us to the experience of Vayihi Bahar, Arboim Yoim, Arboim Laila. Moshe stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and brought the Torah back in wholeness, thus allowing each one of us to draw this down into our portion of the world, leading to the building of a mishkan, a home, a tabernacle for God, just as the portion of Mishpatim, our Torah portion, is followed by the Torah portion of Truma and the commandment to build a sanctuary so that God can dwell within us. From the physical material things, like the gold and the silver, a temple is built for God, thereby completing and fulfilling God's intention and desire for a dwelling below.